Father, as we come to You today, we thank You, God, that You call us friend. Father, we thank You that we can come into Your house and we can lift our voices up in praise to You. Lord, what a great honor and privilege that is that, that millions around this world can't do that. Thank You, God, for the opportunity to come to church and to worship You. And Lord, thank You for our Bibles. Thank You, God, that You've given us Your Word that we can study. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that now as we open up our Bibles, we pray that You'd open up our hearts, our minds, our understanding. Lord, that You would speak to us and make an application of Your Word to our life today. Father, challenge us today. Lord, speak to us. Have Your will in our lives, we pray. For it's in Your name we ask, and together we all would say, Amen. You may be seated this morning. Praise the Lord. Good to have you in the house of God. I'd like to wish all of our veterans a happy Veterans Day and thank you for your service to our great country. Without the dedicated service of our wonderful men and women of our different militaries, we wouldn't be able to, to gather together like this. Praise the Lord. Amen. We're, we're studying our way through the Word of God and we're in we're in the Old Testament book of 2 Kings, chapter 9. So, if you'd open your Bibles, if you want to study along with us and don't have a Bible, we have some at the front and at the back of the church. You're welcome to use those. Going through the Bible, we're coming up to a very interesting character study today. Last week, if you were here, I gave you an assignment to read chapter 9 to prepare for today. Anyone do that? Two of us, okay. <laughs> Give you guys a hard time. We meet this inter interesting character named Jehu today. And the reason I say he's interesting is because depending upon what Bible teacher you, you study under and what commentary you use, uh, some call him a hero of the faith. We see that he has the longest reign of any of the kings. In fact, uh, God blesses his, his um, dynasty for four generations to lead the nation. Longer than anyone else in the Old Testament. But other Bible commentaries, other Bible teachers call him a villain of the faith. And so he's got both sides happening here. And we see he fulfills both of those in a very interesting way. So it's going to be a neat study. And I do want to say as we get into the actual text that uh, part of this chapter today is um, uh, it's just kind of gross. Now for Undertaker to tell you it's gross, just want you to be ready. Okay, don't want to scare anybody, but uh, part of it is just, just kind of grisly. And so, uh, but we're going to learn some interesting things. I'm going to do something a little bit different with the study today. I'm going to give you the PowerPoints, the, the observations at the beginning, and I've got them to put up on the overhead, please. And the reason I'm giving them to you now instead of as we go through the text is because some of them jump around a little bit. Right. We're trying to make uh, those who who watch us online, live streaming on YouTube stuff. We're trying to make it a little easy for them to to follow my my lessons. But how many of you know, I can't even follow my own notes. So <laughs> hoping this will help us a little bit. The things we're going to see today in this chapter, if you would. The first thing we're going to see and I got to walk a little closer to it is uh, that God blesses our obedience, not mere religious zeal. Now, religious zeal is good. We have to be excited for the things of God. But how many of you know that we are called to a long obedience, right? A lot of people, a lot, a lot of people in the Bible and in our churches today, they start out really all excited, right? And they get about a little ways down the road and 
we see where we start moving out of zeal and into commitment, and we see we start losing some commitment. The second thing we're going to learn is that, and this is, man, take this one home today, will you? God's word or his promises, whatever one you want to use, they will happen. We're going to see today two specific words of God happening. One, it took 14 years for it to come to pass. The other one, it took 20 years to come to pass. But friends, we can bank on the word of God. God's word, his promises, they will happen. Then we're going to see thirdly, we're going to see that God anoints us, put your name in there, for a purpose. We all love the great uh, Jeremiah 29:11, right? I know the plans I have for you. Bless you all. That's right. Do you know that each and every one of us in this room, every Christian has a purpose and a place in the plan of God. And you are anointed for a purpose. That purpose is not just to sit in the pews. The next thing we will learn is, and this is important for us as, as we realize that God anoints us for a purpose, is that God doesn't always send us lightning bolts and thunderclaps, but He speaks to us in a still, small voice. A lot of people miss the voice of God, miss the word of God because they're looking for the miraculous. Now, how many of you know that that having a burning bush talk to you would be awesome? Right to have an angel show up and a flaming sword and all that stuff say, thus says the Lord, that would be that would be cool. Right. But God doesn't always choose to do it that way. The majority of the time, well, all the time he speaks to us out of his word. Fifth thing we will see is that serving God is not always easy. But it is always worth it. It is always a blessing. Not always easy, but it's always awesome. Sixth thing we will see is that sometimes our message is a difficult one. But we still have to give the message. We see a lot of churches, a lot of preachers failing in that point right there. But friends, we're not doing the world any good. We're not serving God properly if we don't call sin, sin. And blessings, blessings. Sometimes the message is difficult, but it's still got to be given. Now, not all of them are difficult messages, but some are. Seventhly, uh, and this is important for us, we cannot know peace, P-E-A-C-E, without purity. Boy, this is going to freak out a lot of modern thinking when we get to this part today. So those are the points that we're going to going to get through through this study today you guys got him we'll leave him up there for a while but let's start reading in our text second kings chapter 9 starting at verse 1 and elisha the prophet called one of the sons of the prophets and said to him get yourself ready and take this flask of oil in your hand and go to ramoth gilad and now when you arrive at that place there excuse me look there for jehu the son of jehoshaphat little side note this isn't king jehoshaphat our hero king, this is another guy by the same name, uh, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, and go in and make him rise up from among his associates and take him into an inner room. Verse 3, then take the flask of oil and pour it on his head and say, thus says the Lord, I have anointed you king over Israel, and then open the door and flee and do not, uh, do not delay. Get out of there quick. So, a couple of things here as we go. First of all, here we meet this young man. He's one of the sons of the prophet. He's in Elisha's prophet school. We've seen that earlier. We don't know if this is the guy that lost the axe head. Remember that study? But he was one of the company of these guys. And Elisha sends him on this very important 
job. And if you would notice, please, four things about this guy that we need to apply to our lives if we want God to use us. First thing we notice from this guy who we don't know his name, but we see that God uses him to touch somebody who's going to change the direction of a nation. Do you know you never know who God's going to put in your path? We don't know in the other building all those sweet little children of yours. There could be a Moses over there. There could be another Esther over there. Right? Or even in this room. We don't know what God's got planned for people. But we might be a person that God uses to touch somebody who will touch the world. A couple of Wednesdays ago, I, I talked to the Wednesday night Bible study about a, a fairly forgotten guy in the New Testament named Ananias. Everyone goes, oh, I remember Ananias. He got struck dead. No, there's another Ananias in the Bible. Right? Who's even more important? Now, this Ananias is a guy, he, we don't know much about him, but when God confronted uh, Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus, struck him blind, remember that? God goes to this guy named Ananias, who we don't know much about other than he was a follower of God, and God says, hey, Ananias, however, you, anyone say God used me in a great way? He probably said that, so God says, hey, Ananias, I want you to go lay hands on and pray for Saul of Tarsus. So he, like all of us, wanting to do something great for God, he says, not me. That guy kills Christians. No, I got a plan for him. So Ananias goes and prays for Saul of Tarsus, and Saul of Tarsus becomes the Apostle Paul. Here's the point for you and I, friends, and, and this is a powerful point, and that is that, that God might use us to touch someone who'll touch the world. You know someone led Billy Graham to Christ? We don't know what God's going to use us for. Here's this unknown prophet who's going to touch a man who's going to change the course of a nation. That could be us. We could be the young man. We could be the one who changes the course of a nation. You guys believe that, that there are some nations that need their courses changed? You know how they get changed? People getting serious with God. Keep preaching, Clay. You're getting the crowd quiet. Okay. Notice these four things about this young man. We need to develop them in our lives. Number one, he was available. Elisha says, hey, I need to go do this. He didn't go, well, let me, you know, let me, let me check Facebook. There might, be a, there might be a watch party going on. He up and left. He was dependable. Elisha says, I need you to do this. This guy did it. He was responsible. Elisha could depend on him. And fourthly, he was willing to follow instructions that's why god could use them and we need to develop those in our lives well he sends the guy out here notice what happens in verse four so the young man the servant of the prophet went to ramoth gilead verse five and when he arrived there there were the captains of the army sitting around and he said i have a message for you commander and jehu said well which one of us and he said for you commander and so he rose and he went into the house and he poured the oil on his head and he said unto him Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I have anointed you king over the people of the Lord over Israel. Let's stop there before we move on. Now, remember one of our points was that God's will will come to pass. The prophet Elijah was first told to anoint Jehu king back in 1 Kings chapter 19. But 
his anointing was postponed because Ahab repented. But unfortunately, his repentance was short lived. He went back into his old way of sin. So now God's sure judgment was coming to pass. And Jehu was going to be the rod of correction that God would use to bring judgment upon the house of Ahab. Look at verse seven. You shall strike down the house of Ahab, your master, that I may avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord at the hand of Jezebel. For the whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I will cut off from Ahab all the males in Israel, both bond and free. So I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, like the house of Bashan, the son of Ahijah. And the dogs shall eat Jezebel on the plot of ground at Jezreel, and there shall be no, no, none to bury her. And he opened the door, and he fled. Here he got out of there, just like Elisha told him to do. Notice, if you would, please, uh, some personal application here. And that is, remember one of the, uh, one of the, the, the lists there was God doesn't always send lightning bolts and thunderclaps and all that stuff, but he talks to us in a still, small voice. Notice how God got his message to Jehu. This prophet, what did the prophets represented? They brought the word of God to the people, right? The Apostle Peter tells us that we have a more sure word than prophecy. And what was Peter talking about? How many of you ever said, God, I need a prophet to tell me what's up? God says, you're holding the prophecy you need. Right? So, he said, take him by himself. What's that a picture of for you and I? We need to hear from God. The prayer closet. Get away from, from the loud noise and all that stuff. Maybe some soft Christian music. Get somewhere quiet by yourself. Get, get the word of God represented in this story by the prophet. And there's something else there. There's a third ingredient. It was the oil. What is the oil picture of in the Bible? The Holy Spirit. Friends, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit in us if we're born again. And friends, we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? We have the Holy Spirit of God. We have the Holy Word of God. Let's get in the Holy Presence of God and you will hear from our Holy God. Does that make sense? And so, a lot of times we, we'll put everything else in our way except those three basic things. Now, don't raise your hand, but you ever determine, hey, I'm going to pray really hard on this subject, and next thing you know, you're waking up from a nap? Right? I call that resting in the Lord. Sometimes we need to dedicate. Say, I'm, I'm, I'm praying this through. I'm going to pray with my Bible open. I'm going to pray in the Spirit with the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to hear from God. Amen? So here he gets his instructions from God of what he's going to do. And so uh, the guy takes off, verse 11, and Jehu went out to the servants of his master. Remember, the other commanders are there. And one of them said to him, hey, man, what's going on? Is it well? What did this man-man come to you for? It's interesting. He called the, the prophet crazy. And that wasn't unusual in the Bible. The apostle Paul was called mad in Acts 26, 24. Jesus himself was called crazy in Matthew 12, 24. He was called beside himself, right? Uh, that was a term that, that, that they would use when people would talk to themselves, think they're crazy. Now, if that's the case, all of us be crazy, right? You ever talk to yourself? You, you get some good counsel, right? 
what did this crazy guy say to you in the, in the room there? And so Jehu's still kind of trying to think this through. He says in verse 12, I mean, he's still in verse 11, he says, oh, you know them, you know the man and his babble. He just, he just talking to talk. And they said, a lie. That's not the truth. He told you something. Tell us now. And he said, well, here's what he said. Thus and thus he spoke to me saying, thus the Lord has anointed you king over Israel. Now look at the hearts of these commanders. God has already been working all this because look at their reaction. Verse 13. Then each man hastened to take his garment and put it under him. That was a way of, of, of paying homage to a king. We saw they did that when Jesus came into town in the triumphal un- entry. Remember, they would put clothes and palm branches down. That was the way they honored the king. So here these guys are, are acknowledging what this prophet said. Also learn this. Jehu didn't think they would accept what God told him, but yet they did. God might put something wild on your heart, and you might think, no one will believe that. Why not? There might be someone there who's been praying. God raised someone up to do something. And you'll be the answer to that prayer. Right? So they, they lay their clothes down at his feet and on top of the steps. And then they blew the trumpet. Blowing the trumpet always signified the arrival of a king. In the book of Thessalonians, what's going to happen before Christ comes back? A trumpet, right? Always announced the coming of a king so so here we have that happening and so they're ready to to they call him king verse 14 and jehu said the son of jehoshaphat the son of nishim nimshish excuse me conspired against joram now joram had been defending ramoth gilead remember that's where they are he and all israel against hazel king of syria we met that guy last week but king joram had returned to jezreel to recover from the wounds which the syrians had inflicted upon him when he fought uh, Hazel the king of Syria and Jehu said if you are so minded let no one leave or escape from the city to go and tell it to Jezreel okay so he's saying let's keep this quiet we need we need a surprise attack here you're saying in your actions that you're supporting me now let's kind of keep it under wraps we need the element of surprise here verse 16 so Jehu rode in a chariot and went to Jezreel for Joram had laid up there And Ahaziah, king of Judah, had come down to see him. And again, here we saw that the king of Judah, who was not supposed to be messing with the king of Israel, had been messing with him. They're buddying up. Verse 17 says, Now a watchman stood on the tower of Jezreel. This guy's job was to keep an eye out. And when he saw the company of Jehu as he was coming, he said, I see a company of men. And Joram said, well, get a horseman and send him out to meet him and let him say, is it in peace? Because of the squamish going on with, with Syria, here we see this band, the, the, the dust and all this happening. So he's waiting to hear word from the battle. Not sure what's going on. He said, so send someone out there to find out what's going on. Verse 18, so the horseman went to, met, to meet him and said, okay, this horseman probably was comforted to see Jehu and, and his fellow commanders because that's his army right so he's probably feeling pretty good about this so he says to them the king wants to know is it peace in other words how's the battle going are we winning are we losing what's what's the word and jehu said what have you to do with peace turn around and follow me fall in line and we'll take care of business when we get there and so the messenger who was part of that army he just falls in line because he's got to ride back anyway right so he just falls in line and continues back with them. Verse 19. 
I can make sure I'm on my points here. So then he sent out a second horseman. They still weren't sure what was going on. And he came to him and said to the king, Jehu, is it peace? And Jehu answered, what have you to do with peace? Turn around and follow me. Once again, just fall in line and let's go back to the city. So the watchman reported saying, he went up to them and he's not coming back either. We have two horsemen now that go out and they don't return. They just fall in line with, with this company. But as he's watching, he says, the driving is like the driving of Jehu, the son of Nipshi, for he drives furiously. So he had a reputation of being a crazy driver. Now, if that means he, he zigzagged or, or had a way of his men lining up behind, we're not sure, but whatever it was, he recognized him and his driving. Now, I don't know if it's so much nowadays, but back when I was in, just getting my driver's license, back in, in the, the days when there were really muscle cars, right? You didn't have to me- mess with these catalytic converters and all this sissy stuff. We had headers and stuff, I mean, right? right? You always knew who was coming by the sound of their vehicle, right? Well, they knew who was coming by the way this guy was driving his chariot. That's Jehu coming. He's, this guy's nuts, man. Look at him. So he's coming, and it says, Jorm, the, the king says in verse 21, well, make ready my chariot. I want to find out how the battle's going. So he makes his chariot ready, and he goes out, uh, and Ahaziah, king of Judah, went out with him. Once again, king of Judah shouldn't have been there. How many of you know it's important the company we keep? You know, the Proverbs said, if you want to be wise, hang out with wise people. The other side of that coin is you want to be dumb, hang out with dumb people. Don't elbow your husband. Because your husband's hanging out with you. (gasps) (laughs) I just thought of that. I, I don't think I'll use that one again. I was just kidding, ladies. Don't get mad at me. I, I swear, I was just kidding. I lost my place. I'm so they go out to meet him, and they met him on the property of Naboth of Jezreel. Well, they didn't go very far because, remember, Naboth's property was right next door because Jezebel had him killed so Ahab could have the garden. Remember that? So he didn't have to go too far. So they're right outside the gate, and they get there. Verse 22, now it happened when Joram saw Jehu, he's thinking, oh, this is good. There's my general. He says, is it peace? What he's asking is, how's the battle going? Now, check this out. Verse 22. Jehu answers says, what peace as long as the harlotries of your mother Jezebel and her witchcraft are so many? Remember our one point? Without, without purity, there is no peace. Put on the overhead, would you please? Isaiah 57, 19 through 21. I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him who is afar off to him who is near, says the Lord. Check this out. And I will heal him. But the wicked, and that word wicked in the Hebrew encompasses a lot. Not just misbehaving, but those involved in, in behaviors that go against the teachings of God. But the wicked are like a troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt there is no peace, says my, says my God, for the wicked. Wicked people never have peace. And they're, they're always like 
muddied water and always being stirred up. There's always something happening. Why? Because of their own wicked behavior. Friends, a lot of people get themselves in trouble in their own muddy water because of their own decisions. Amen. And God says there'll be no rest for them. Jehu said, how can the nation have peace when we're involved in the harlotries of your mother? See, Jezebel not only brought in pagan worship of pagan gods, but she kicked out the worship of Jehovah. She watered it down. She started changing the pure worship of of Jehovah until finally it, it left altogether. And she brought in all these pagan ones. He also said the witchcraft of your mom. That's the word kepesh. It's spelled K-E-S-H-E-P-H and it denotes various forms of magic or divination. Second Chronicles 33, Jeremiah 27, and Micah 5.12 uh, all use that word for, for sorcery. They all use that word for, for interpreting dreams, for reading stars, for reading the livers of dead animals. Isaiah 47.9 and Nahum 3.4 all link this sorcery to the divine judgment of God. God requires that His people be led by the Holy Spirit, not by the darkness of Satan's realm. Now, he keeps talking, and he says in verse 23, then Joram turned around, and he fled, he took off, he's turning his chariot around real quick, and he says, to Ahaziah, the king of Judah, who wasn't supposed to be here, he says, treachery, that's actually the word mera, M-I-R-M-A-H. It means deception or fraud. It means camouflage. He's, he, he's tricked us here by coming back in this way. Verse 24, now Jehu drew his bow, underline this please, with full strength, and he shot Jehoram between his arms, and the arrow came out of his heart, and he sank down in his chariot. He pulled back with his full strength. Friends, when we're dealing with evil, when we're dealing with sin, when we're dealing with those, those things in our own lives that are causing us to come against God, we've got to give it our full strength. Right? We have to be fully committed to it. Because a half-hearted effort is only going to give you a half victory. Does that make sense? You see what I'm saying? So he pulled back with all of his strength and he shot it and it went right through his heart. He got to the heart of the matter. Verse 25, And Jehu said to Bidkar, his captain, Pick him up and throw him into the track of field of Naboth, the Jezreelite. For remember when you and I were riding together behind Ahab, his father, that the Lord laid this burden upon him. This was recorded back in 1 Kings 21. This was 20 years ago. Remember, the word of God will happen. Took 20 years, but it happened. Saying, verse 26, Surely I saw yesterday the blood of Naboth and the blood of, this, of his sons, says the Lord, and I will pay you in this plot, says the Lord. Now therefore take and throw him on the plot of ground according to the word of the Lord. Just as God said 20 years ago, it happened. Friends, we can bank on the word of God. The word of God says that, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is coming back. And he's coming back. The word of God says, unless you be born again, you can't partake in the kingdom of God. Friends, there's a lot of of milquetoast preachers that said, you just do the best you can. 
God loves you, and God does love you. God does expect you to do the best you can. But lest you be born again, you will not experience the kingdom of God. Amen? The word of God is true. Let's keep going here. Verse 14, so Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Mishi, conspired against Jorm. Now Jorm had been, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong one. Verse 27, I'm testing you guys. You guys failed. You failed. I was like, I thought I just read that. Verse 27, but then Ahaziah, king of Judah, saw this, right? He's where he's supposed to be. I mean, he's not where he's supposed to be with people he's not supposed to be with. Now he's freaking out. I got to get out of here. So he turns around and flees to the road to Beth Hagen. So Jehu pursued him and said, shoot him also in the chariot. And they shot him at the ascent of Ger, which is in Iblim. Then he fled to Megiddo and he died there. And his servants carried him in, in his chariot to Jerusalem and buried him in the tomb of his fathers with his father in the city of David in the 11th year of Joram, the son of Ahab, Ahaziah had become king over Judah. I had a, uh, a scripture that I wanted to, to put up. Ezekiel 12, 25 and Luke 21, 33. This was another word. This is what I was supposed to do up in verse 24. <laughs> By the Lord, I speak and the word which I speak will come to pass. It will no more be postponed for in your days, O rebellious house. I will say the word and perform it, says the Lord my God. And then Luke, says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. I meant to show you that when I was saying that the word of God will happen. Maybe some time, but it will happen. All right, let's go back to our text. We're going to finish this up, and here's where it gets kind of, uh, kind of a little bit gross and grisly. It says here in verse 30, Now when Jehu had come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it. It's her son who just died. But she doesn't mourn her son. That's how cold and callous wickedness turns a person. She heard of it, so what does she do? She paints her eyes and adorns her head. She, she puts on her makeup, and she's looking through the window. History records that she was a very beautiful lady physically, but she was a very ugly lady spiritually. Right? She seduced men. She got her way. And the exterior was awesome, but the interior was so flawed. She got herself ready. She's looking through the window. In verse 31, And as Jehu entered the gate, she said, Is it peace? Zimri, murder of your master? Now she's referring back to a time about 14 years before that where this guy named Zimri killed the king in a rebellion and then seven days later he took his own life by burning down the 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 uh, capital so what she is saying is you're revolting just like zimri did and your effort efforts just like zimri will not last so she's kind of throwing a barb out there and he looked up at the window and said he doesn't ignore he doesn't talk to her but he speaks up into her room and says who's on my side who so two or three eunuchs looked out at him these guys are Jezebel's servants and they don't like her and so he says in verse 33 throw her down so they scoop her up and they throw her down and some of her blood splattered on the wall and on the horses 
and he trampled her underfoot. That's pretty rough, isn't it? She was so wicked that now her servants throw her out the window and it's pretty self-explanatory. She splats. He runs over with the horse. Verse 34. And when he had gone in, he ate and he drank. And he said, and he gets thinking, go now and see to this accursed woman and, and bury her for she is the king's daughter. Here we see ever so slightly the first crack in Jehu's armor. He's starting out pretty good, right? But God had told him through the prophet, no one's going to bury her. But he gets thinking, you know what? She was a princess. Go bury her. See, a little, a little compromise to the littlest things of God can lead to big problems. Right? You don't think much about it right here, but here's a little crack in his armor that by the time we get to the end of chapter 10, he will be cursed by God. So he says, go back and bury her. Verse 35, so they went to bury her, but they found no more of her than her skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. That's kind of gross, huh? But now bear with me on this. Why wouldn't the dogs eat her head, hands, or feet? You guys want to hear a gross story? When I was in the Congo preaching, there were some guys there that were part of a cannibal tribe. They had been saved, so I was okay. But you know what they told me? They told me they didn't eat the, the hands and the feet because they were the toughest part. That has nothing to do with this, but we're going to Golden Corral for lunch if anyone is... Now I think there's more of this I think there's more to this story than just tough meat to chew on. Back in the book of Leviticus chapter 8, when God arranged for the the ordination of the priest, he had this very interesting ordination ceremony. Maybe some of you will remember this. They had to sacrifice a lamb and Moses had to put blood of that lamb on their big toe on their thumb and on their ear. Why? Well, because remember in the Bible, the ear, the head was a picture of everything you think about, everything that con controls what you're doing. Your hand represented everything that you do. And your feet represented everywhere that you go. So for the priest, everything they heard had to be from God to formulate what they thought and then what they spoke had to be from God. Everything they did had to be motivated by God. Everywhere they went had to be motivated and directed by God. Where is the Antichrist going to put his, his mark on people? Either their forehead, which represents everything you think about, or their hand, which represents what? Everything you do. Could this be a picture of showing us how far gone she was, that the only thing in her mind was to do evil. She's still known as the most evil woman. False teachings in the church in the book of Revelation is called the doctrines of Jezebel, right? So could it be that even dogs who were considered the lowest of the low animals of that day wouldn't even touch that part of her? 
because that's how foul she was. Everything she thought of was evil. Everything she did was evil. Everywhere she went was motivated by evil that even the dogs wouldn't deal with her. Interesting, right? Now, that's a yucky story, but I got a good ending for it. Would you put on the overhead, please, John 3.36. We are promised, and remember we learned today how the word of God is true. It will happen, right? We learn from John's gospel, chapter 3, verse 36, that he who believes in the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, has everlasting life. And he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Friends, the truth of the scripture is this. That there's two options after this life, heaven or hell. Those are your only two options. To experience eternal life with the Lord is to be born again. To experience eternal separation, hell, is to not be born again. And then lastly, would you put Romans 12, 9 up? 10, 9, I'm sorry. So how do we get into this relationship with God? So very easy. We don't have to go through the, the blood on the toe, thumb and ear thing. Jesus did all that for us. Simply, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Isn't that easy? And isn't that awesome? Friends, I was a little nervous about this lesson today because it's just kind of gross and grisly. It's, it's a rough part of the Bible, but it's in the Bible. And so God gave it to us. We have to study it. But the good part is, is there's Jesus. So we don't have to go through that. Amen? And so today, friends, if you don't know this awesome Jesus that I'm talking about. Today's the day that you can meet him for yourself. That script, would you put Romans back up there? I didn't finish the chapter? Okay, one verse. Therefore they came back and told him, and he said, this is the word of the Lord which spoke by his prophet Elias the Tishbite, saying, on this ground... Uh, in Jezreel, dogs shall eat the flesh of Jezebel, and the corpse of Jezebel shall be as refuge on the surface of the field. That's why the Hebrew people uh, buried their dead. That's why it was an offense to be eaten by animals, because you'll uh, be turned into dung, is the only way to say it. That's why uh, they do all that. She'll be refuge on the surface of the field in the plot of Jezreel. So they said, so shall... They shall not say, here lies Jezebel. She didn't have any kind of marker or memorial or nothing. So anyway, back to the end. And that is that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that's simply saying, God, I understand that I'm a sinner and that as a sinner, there's nothing I can do about it. But you've done everything. And so I humbly come to you and acknowledge my sin and my need for you. And I repent of that. I'm sorry for that. And I won't do it again. Would you come into my heart? He will. And you will be saved. Isn't that beautiful? Let's stand. Worship team, join me up here.
if you're visiting with us today, this might be a little bit weird service for you. We, we're studying through the Bible. We just go through it cover to cover. It's my personal conviction that that's the way God gave it to us. That's the way, the way we should study it. And as I tried to do today, some days it's better than others, but as I always try to do is make an application of that word to our life today. How can we apply those seven principles to us today? Well, I think that by looking at that list, and we can put it up again, uh, you can apply those things. We can trust the word of God. Please know that you are called for a purpose. God's got a purpose for you. And he wants to use you to do great things. Amen? But the most important thing, and the most important message for us to share and for us to receive is the message of the new birth, the message of Jesus Christ. So what we're going to do now is we're going to pray as we always do at the time of our Bible study. And after I say amen, the worship team is going to lead us in a song. I'm going to be joined up front. And we're going to invite you that if you need prayer, we're going to invite you to come forward to pray. And after that time of prayer, we will close and dismiss in a congregational prayer. If today you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and in spite of the bad jokes I told, in spite of the gory story that we read, if you know you need Jesus Christ in your heart, would you come up and talk to me? Not that no one else can't pray for you. They can. I just have a couple things I'd like to give to you afterwards. Amen? So let's pray. Father, thank you for your good word. Thank you that we can study your word together. And Lord, we ask now, God, the Holy Spirit, you would speak to each and every one of our hearts and minds individually. Father, would you make a personal application of this portion of Scripture to our life? Father, would you reveal to us our area of, of lacking, our area of need? Father, we saw many characters in this story that we can relate to. Maybe, maybe we're like this unknown prophet, just willing and ready to do your work. Well, Father, speak to our hearts today. Show us what that work is. Then give us the grace and the boldness to do it. Maybe we're like Jehu. Maybe we have a burden on our heart, but we're afraid to step out. Lord, today would we receive that word of confirmation? Lord, I think of I think of the king of Judah who was who lost his life because he was where he wasn't supposed to be and he got wounded running away. Lord, there may be a lot of Christian people here today who find themselves hanging out in places they're not supposed to be with people they're not supposed to be hanging around with and they're hurting themselves Lord today would you break those chains Father today would you knock down walls Father today would you give peace and restore purity Lord do what only you can do we pray for it's in your precious name we ask these things, and together we all would say, Amen. In a